0: Do you wish you had more time to spend with your kids? That's exactly what today's guest Jenny McCann dreamt about. She felt like every moment of her life was accounted for with a busy job and two children. So when she had her third child, she realised something had to change. Having been an English teacher for 15 years, she loved reading and could see the impact it had on a child's potential. So just before the first lockdown, she bravely handed in her notice at work and set about opening her very own children's bookshop, The Bear Bookshop on Bearwood High Street. Two further lockdowns slowed her progress, but nothing could stop Jenny from forging ahead. And with the help of her three children aged 6, 4 and 19 months, who test her book selections and talk to customers about their favourite reads, she opened her store. Do you know what I think
1: this book is about? I think it's about friendship. And that even sometimes you might fall out with your friends. Like not getting dinner, like people not sharing the spaghetti, which is what we're having today. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I talked to Jenny about how parents can instill a love of reading in their children, what to do to help reluctant readers, why reading is so important in all aspects of learning and in later life and how she juggles being a busy mum with running a new business.
1: I don't believe in don't like reading. I think it's such a fundamental part of how human language is developed that everybody likes reading, but you've got to find the things that you like to read. Now I'm older, I just think, you know what, don't try to do things perfectly. Just try to do things. And that's that's what makes that's being productive. That's getting things done.
0: Welcome to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author, and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect, both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. It's great to talk to you. Hi. Yeah,
1: thank you for having us. Uh, Well, me. I'm so pleased to be here. So, Bear Bookshop
0: looks great. Thank you. So, tell me about it. You decided to open a bookshop while you are on maternity leave with your third child and during a pandemic. I mean, that's so brave.
1: Why did you decide to do that? It sounds, even now, it sounds so crazy to me when you actually say it like that out loud. Um, But... The decision was actually made before the pandemic, like literally just before. I think it was about a week before the first lockdown that I went into my current job and told them that I was planning on not returning really after the maternity leave. And the big factor really for us was that third child. So I'd been teaching for 15 years and it wasn't that I was unhappy in teaching. But I had everything just so in my life. I think this might be quite relatable, but, you know. Yes. Everything had to be so organised, having the two children and doing that job, because it's really demanding anyway. And then I just, I had misgivings about how it was going to work with a third anyway, because I was already feeling like every minute of my life was kind of accounted for. That is so relatable, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I was up one night with the baby and I'm scrolling through Twitter while we're doing a night feed and I saw somebody had put out a tweet that they were opening their own bookshop, their their independent bookshop. And I just had a really like visceral feeling in my stomach like that is what I want to do. It just kind of really hit me. And so then I had to persuade my husband that was a good idea. Um, (laughs) And yeah, but... I don't regret that decision, even with the pandemic for a moment. It's actually, although I work more, I mean, you know how it is, I'm sure anybody who's listening who has their own business is that you're never really off. You're always, it's always there. Yes. But it works so much better for us as a family because it's mine and I kind of, like, it's very much a family thing. And of course, because of it being a children-focused business, it's very family friendly anyway The kids can be in the shop looking at the books with me. Um, if I'm sharing crafts and things on social media, then they're things that I do with the children. Uh, so even though I'm working more, the family are with me more, which is kind of what my aim was in starting my own business.
0: So you say you, you work for, as an English teacher at a secondary school for 15 years. So over that time, what did you learn about children's reading and writing abilities and also the
1: impact reading has on that? Reading, I think, is so huge. Like Academically, even if we just speak purely on an academic level, it affects absolutely everything because it's the foundation of everything they do, particularly if you're talking about oral literacy, how we talk and how we understand other people talking as well, because so much of that comes from what we read anyway also. So having good English skills, English is absolutely vital because it's actually the medium through which we are taught is the English language, whether it be written or spoken. So it's absolutely universal across every subject if we're talking about academically. And Also, it's a really accessible thing that anybody can do with their children is to sit down and read a book or take a book out the library and encourage that love of reading in them. So a lot of things that traditionally we might think of as having improved educational outcomes like um, selective schooling, tutoring, they're not necessarily as accessible to everybody But reading really is. And it's such a simple thing that you can be doing that academically would make a difference. But equally, there's all the other benefits as well in terms of the well-being. You know, it's um, a great way to relax and unwind, but also kind of switch your mind off from things a little while in a way that other mediums I don't think are quite the same or as absorbing like you can really get into something you're watching on the television or something you're watching on a screen but I don't think it has it, it's not as quiet as sitting down and reading yes. a book it's not as reflective so I don't think it has that same calming effect um it's also all the other things that you can be exposed to through books as well different cultures different historical events you can learn obviously um Possibly I'm a little older than you, but I can very much remember a time before the internet where if we wanted to find out about something, it came from a No, above. no,
0: I can remember that time. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, we didn't have the internet until I was, um, oh gosh, until I was at university. And even when I was at university, it wasn't the primary way that you sought out information. Mm. You still went to the library first. So yeah, I think that it, it's just, I could talk forever about all the benefits of reading, but I think it's one of the easiest and most accessible things for people to do that's going to give their children really strong educational foundation.
0: I know before we have talked about how um, you've seen inequality in educational outcomes. What's been your experiences of this and how reading has a factor in
1: that? I mean, technically, the school I taught in was in what you would call a deprived area, but I don't like to really talk about in terms of that because I find that quite reductive phrasing because obviously I work with so many children and families there and if I had to come up with a word to describe them, it's not going to be deprived. But in purely educational terms, it's it's inarguable, isn't it, that some groups of people do better than others. And going back to the pandemic, that's really been exacerbated because yes. obviously children's experiences of homeschool has been wildly different. I mean, in terms of just, obviously it's been so reliant on the internet and on devices. So if you're in a large family, it's unlikely that you're going to have a laptop for every single child in that family. So there straight away is an inequality. And I know that there was talk from the government of getting all the laptops and things out to families, but then we know that didn't happen from day one.
0: We actually ran a Brummie Mummies campaign to help to get more laptops to kids, which was great. But, yeah, still so many that didn't have them when they needed them.
1: I think what we do at home and what what kind of I'm hoping that something in the community like the bookshop can bring to people is something that you can do at home as well, because we are also educators of our children. It's not just the teachers who go to school. As parents, we're also encouraging our children to learn and, you know, so responsible for what they learn and how they develop. And that's what people have at home isn't necessarily all the same for everybody. But, I mean, my children obviously... raised by an ex-English teacher who owns a bookshop so they're going to be you know they're going to be good at reading you would hope but if you don't have that background you might find it more difficult to develop your child's reading but then that's where I'm hoping that the bookshop will be a resource for the community so you just come in and just I'm more than happy to talk to you about it and make suggestions about what you could read with your child or how you can get your child reading.
0: What do you think parents can do if their children just simply don't like
1: reading? Yeah, I used to come up against this a lot. So I used to have classes and you used to say, uh, you know, we don't read, we don't like reading. But first of all, I don't believe in don't like reading. I think it's such a fundamental part of how human language is developed that everybody likes reading, but you've got to find the thing that you like to read. What I used to do with my students is I used to start with something that they were interested with. So I remember one class, I was like, you guys, you know, you need to be reading more. Um, So I set them a homework to tell me something that they were interested in. And then I wrote back, so like a little reply to a note, you should look for a book about this or you should try this book. And then we had a library lesson and went and found a book that they would be interested in. So I'd always say start with your child's interests. I think as well, a lot of people are hung up on that their child should be reading these long fiction chapter books, but that's just one form that reading can take. Look at articles, look at nonfiction books, look at magazines, look at graphic novels. Graphic novels are really popular with reluctant readers because obviously um, you've got the imagery as well and it tends to be less text on the pages. So it's it's less intimidating if you're not a confident reader. It's an odd one, but I'm going to say poetry. OK, I think that's not necessarily the first one you would think of, but a lot of poetry, particularly poetry aimed at younger readers, is super accessible. And again, it's just short. It's not very, um, not very demanding or challenging necessarily. And I think that anybody should be exposing their children to poetry anyway. You should be encouraging your children to read a range of nonfiction and poetry and look at plays and stories as well. So there's so many different things that you can do or so many different kinds of texts that you can look at that you should have loads and loads of options that you can run through before before your child actively says, oh, no, I don't like reading. And also I'd say um, start really small just do 10 minutes, uh, make it a treat. Um, one of the things I do with my kids is we'll have a sit down and read with a cake or with a plate of biscuits or something. And, you know, they they love that. Or in the winter, we put the fire on and we get our books out. Less so now with the toddler. Um, so.
0: <laughs> and what do you think parents should
1: do if they feel their child
0: has difficulties with reading and writing?
1: So one thing I say is, to read with your children, so even if they're reading independently or at an age where you think they should be reading independently, I would still recommend sitting down and reading with them, and that can be out loud or just you guys both reading a book together. The same book, so you just both reading the same. You could text find in, yes, okay. so I was going to say you could get the same book and then talk about <clears throat> it, or books yeah. about similar topics and compare what you're saying. With the writing, I'd still say focus on the reading because a better reader will naturally make a better writer. And I think it's easier to start with the reading than it is with the writing. And then when they get more confident, that's when you maybe you can think about looking at, like doing notes to each other or to family members, letters, particularly now. I mean, obviously we're coming out of things now, we hope, but... When you're not seeing people so often, writing notes and letters is a nice way to keep in touch, but also a way to uh, encourage writing at home. Another thing that I've recently heard is that if you put the subtitles on the television, then they read those and that's a really easy way to get them practising reading.
0: Mm, Yeah, I like that. So what impact do you think a lack of home reading has on a child's educational journey? I mean, do you think it ultimately affects all subject areas and how they progress in the future?
1: Yeah, definitely. And particularly, um, obviously, the really obvious link is your humanities. So Mm. if you're struggling to read, but you've got a lot of text read for history, so it's not just going to affect English. But then even subjects like maths and science, you have word problems. Science can be very demanding in some of the language that's used. But also, um, you want your child to be a confident reader because if they are struggling in any subject with the actual reading, actually that puts more pressure on on their cognitive functioning. So even if they were good at the maths or the science, because they're struggling with the reading their brain's already struggling. It's already working hard. So they're more likely to make mistakes or not understand things anyway. So if you can build a confident reader or you can create your child to be a confident reader, then it just makes everything naturally a little easier because that it takes away that problem of having to focus on the decoding. Um, But another thing I used to say to my students, sorry, was that um, the exams are set by percentages so this percentage amount of people will get the grade nine the grade eight the grade seven and particularly for English students they say you're competing the people you are competing against for those top grades will be reading if you are not you're disadvantaging yourself.
0: Oh that's interesting yes so they can actually quantify it like that so tell me a bit more about the shop so where is it and and what was it before it was a bookshop? Oddly
1: enough, it was a bookshop. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's been closed. It had been empty for years and it had been a newsagent's and a bookshop. And then a large Tesco Express opened on the high street. And then that kind of like put an end to the newsagents, which is a real shame. I like to think that that shop's fate is to be a bookshop because it was nothing, it was nothing in between. And it's really big space. So, tell tell our, our listeners whereabouts it is. Okay, so it's on the Bearwood Road. It's on the main high street of Bearwood and it's on the end towards Lightwoods Park. So, if you were coming out of Birmingham, so say you're driving out of Birmingham along the Hagley Road, where the King's Head Crossroads is, if you turn right, we're on that road, we're right near to the park. There's amazing cafes nearby. There's Wally Woods also just up the road, so there's loads yes. of like really family friendly things to do already. Anyway, and yeah, it was just a lovely space. So at the moment, obviously it's um, it's just purely been functioning as a bookshop, but from the seventeenth, I'm going to start doing story times and no, uh, little sessions and things in there, so that. Yeah, we can do readings and discussions and, yeah, I've had so many things planned and so many different people that I'm talking to to try and get things going on because it's quite a big space, so we should be able to do quite a lot with it, so I'm very excited about that. That's brilliant. So when did you launch? We were due to, we were, it's been a journey, we were due to open early November and then obviously Non-Essential Retail was closed. So then we opened in December but then obviously there was a lockdown (laughs) and so we've reopened again on the 12th of April and I'm hoping this is it now.
0: Yeah let's hope so. So uh, describe it to to me so what's it like when you walk inside?
1: Okay so we have a really beautifully painted front window of Bears reading by the window artists which is really eye-catching so before you even come in you'll see us and then at downstairs, immediately to the left, we have an adult section. So if grown-ups want to come and look for some books, we have some. And that, you know, that's been quite popular. Downstairs is more babies, toddlers and picture books. And there's then steps. There's about four steps. And there's cushions on so you can sit down and read while you're choosing your books. So you're going to have a look through them because I think it's such an important part of the book buying process and then up the stairs is kind of older children's graphic novels poetry and nonfiction. and then eventually upstairs as well I want to get a big table and put out paper and arts and crafts materials you can just drop in and do some creating that's Uh, a lovely
0: idea
1: we also have um, some small toys and games and birthday cards and wrapping paper
0: brilliant so people could come and spend an hour or so just browsing and that's a what I'm hoping there.
1: that's what I want it to be that's what my ideal bookshop is going to be like is that you can come in and actually spend some time looking at different books um you know I love talking to people about the books I chose all the books in there personally so people come in and say can you recommend a book I love them all <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, how do you decide which books to stock and which to
1: not? I mean, that must be really difficult. It is. Well, the publishers send out catalogues and, like, newsletters and all of those things, which is really helpful. I kind of have to stop myself from buying everything sometimes. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, now I'm developing my favourite publishers and my favourite kinds of books. I try to find things that are a little bit different because, obviously we can't compete with like your Amazon or your books that you can pick up for really low prices in the supermarket. It's just not something I can provide, but what we can, what we do offer is some really stunningly beautiful books that you may not necessarily have seen or heard of before. So I want it to be like a real place of literary discovery where you find your new favorite books Also, another thing that I am focused on when I'm choosing books is to have a properly diverse representation of different characters because, obviously, the area that we live in, I want the books to be reflective of the community that it serves. So that's always been important to me when I'm choosing as well.
0: That is one thing I wanted to ask you about. I mean, it's so difficult to compete with the likes of Amazon where they can sell seem to be able to sell books at a fraction of the rrp how do you how do you compete with them so one of the things i mentioned
1: obviously was having the more unusual titles but i think it's the experience as well Mm -hmm. like we all use amazon it's so convenient it's so easy and everybody's such a rush these days and you know i think we talked at the beginning, about every minute, feeling like every minute of your day is accounted for. It's so easy to just go on yes. to prime and get something to be delivered for the next day. But what we're offering is an experience. It is the coming in and sitting and reading, or the events that you can come to, it will be. Another thing we have that, that I've bought that we haven't had a chance to use yet because of restrictions, but will be coming is I've got a tough tray. So there'll be just like little setups and things for you to come in with your toddlers and just they can read some books and have a little play.
0: they such a good idea. to Just explain what a tough tray is
1: for somebody who might not have heard of one. Kind of like it's like a shallow plastic tray and then you fill it full of toys or natural materials. Um, but they tend to be around a theme. So obviously I will be working around different books and different stories and doing like, yes, little scenic or imaginative play around the books, the stories that we have in the shop. Uh, yeah, it's a um, really, really great thing that you can do with toddlers to encourage their yeah, imaginative play and their creativity.
0: That sounds brilliant. Well, you've mentioned quite a lot of events. Will you get be inviting kids to get dressed up as book characters?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I was, I would have done... Obviously, this year, but schools were closed for World Book Day. And I want to have um, a costume exchange as well, because how many times have we all had to think up something That's or such a good buy idea. a costume for World Book Day? So I was going to just invite people to bring in any old costumes that they have and do like a swap. Last, last year, the year before, my four-year-old, well, he's four now. He, was, he must have been three. Um, he was an electric eel. So I had nope. to create. <laughs> so I had to create an electric eel costume. So you know <laughs> that was tough. If I could have gone somewhere, there's like loads of bits of material and things that would have helped me find what I could have done for an electric eel. That I would have found that very helpful.
0: That reminds me of my son, who was a, a, a Christmas zebra in the nativity. You know that well-known Christmas zeb- zebra. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you have to find. You have to find these things, and like. Create these things off the top of your head, yeah. So a bit of support there, I think. Martima, That's a brilliant, or Parent idea. to parent, yeah.
0: And in terms of other events, I guess you could really follow the seasons. You'll be looking at like
1: autumn harvest, bonfire night, Christmas. Um, yeah, so I think we're really lucky to have the two open spaces so nearby. And I'm quite interested in that aspect of early childhood education, particularly for younger children, because that's the age my own children are. And it's something that there's actually there's quite a lot of books relevant to that in the shop right now. I have like a nature display and different things that you can do outdoors, because I think it's harder living in the city to think of things beyond just let's go to the park. But that outdoor play yes. is so important.
0: So tell me a bit about, more about your children. So they're six, four and 19, 19 months. months. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. um What's uh, what's their reading journey been like so far? How, you've already said about making it kind of cozy and a fun thing to do. Are they all avid readers?
1: This is interesting because <laughs> the six-year-old really is now. She's doing amazingly. i like really really pleased with how she's doing with her reading, but she was slow to start. Now, as a baby, and again, I think probably lots of people can relate to this. Lots of people say who come into the shop they have similar she wouldn't sit down and listen to a story so mm. trying to read to her when she till she was about two was really quite like she she didn't seem interested whereas but then, when she got interested, that's when she did she did progress in her reading ability quite quickly um whereas a four year old always loved books and like since yeah. he's been about one, he, he, if he's, you, know, you put him in the cots and he would just sit looking at books until he fell asleep. But now he's learning to read. He's he's finding it, like, I know it's necessarily difficult, but not fun. And I think, mm-hmm. like, that's a message that I will get out to people as well, is that it's not fun. Learning anything new is hard. And I think I'm very focused with him. It sounds. That's a harsh, but I make him do it because I know that the rewards, once he's learned how to do it, will be so worth it. Um, but, yeah, he's he's not necessarily struggling at the moment, but certainly when we're reading his reading was for school, he does not want to. And um, mm. the baby is, uh, yeah, he, lo- he loves stories and he's very much, we have to have the same story every night for <laughs> months at a time. But, yeah, he's there. Uh, he he loves um I mean, they all they all love being read to and they all love stories and books and it's very much a part of our daily routine that we read together every day and i see it as a huge privilege for us really that they get to after school come and be in the bookshop and we read together or they look at different books so i think they're really lucky to have that such intense exposure of books
0: Yes. Yeah. I bet they love it, don't they? Do they what, what are their thoughts about the show? Mostly they love it. Yeah.
1: Sometimes like <laughs> obviously they have to, like it's having to come with your mom to work, isn't it? So they don't always love it. <laughs> sometimes I don't want to go to the shop today. But on the whole, I think they do. They do. And they're always like excited when we we'll get new books. And my daughter, whenever if somebody comes in, she's always so keen to tell them which books she likes and which books she thinks that they should buy. And, um, yeah, so I d- they, do, they do enjoy being in the shop, yeah.
0: So do they help with the book selections?
1: Yes, actually, they do. And whenever um, we get sent books, so we'll often publishers or particularly the people who've independently published will send books and say, would you be interested in stocking? And they're my test subjects, like, so brilliant. I'll read it with them or now the eldest can read independently. I'll give it to her and say, will you read me this book and tell me what you think? And that's been, yeah, that's great because I think it's different reading a book as an adult to as a child as well. I might like it, but it might not necessarily interest them. So it helps, really does help with the choosing.
0: So at the moment, if somebody was looking for a, a book to keep them going, uh, uh, what, what what would you recommend That's adult books?
1: Okay, so selling really well for us at the moment is Hamnet by Maggie Farrell. Hmm. I read that last year and that was wonderful. So I really, really enjoyed that. We read Shuggie Bain, last year's Booker Prize winner with our book group. And although that's quite sad, it was totally absorbing. I finished it and then I went back to the beginning and read it again. So good. Likewise, um, The Thursday Murder Club, that's another one that's been super popular. And Mm -hmm. that's quite nice, like has a really comforting kind of tone to it. The Mirror and the Light has just come out in paperback, and that's uh, that's another one that's been really popular. But I've loved that whole trilogy, the Hilary Mantel trilogy. Yes. I really like like historical fiction because just like you learn so much. You know when you're reading, and then you Google, and then you read a bit more. Like you find out so much about the history of the Tudors from that. I learned so much from that.
0: Yes, and you mentioned a book club. Do you have a,
1: a book club at the shop? Well, it's been only on Zoom so far, of course. Mm. And this month we may do an actual meeting up one, which is really exciting. Uh, yeah, so we have a couple, really. So there's quite a lot of people. It's something that started in the second lockdown. So
0: how do people find out more about your shop and your book clubs?
1: Okay, so we're on social media Um, It's Bear Bookshop on Facebook, Bear Bookshop on Instagram, but it's Bookshop underscore Bear on Twitter, and we also have an email subscription list. So in the email subscription, every couple of weeks, I send out an email that talks about my favourite books in the shop and gives some tips for encouraging reading in your, own, in your own children. And you can sign up to our, our email newsletter on the website, which is www.bearbookshop.co.uk.
0: Brilliant. So there's some questions that we, ask to, we like to ask a lot of people on our podcast i start off with this one what would be the two things you would tell your 18 year old self if you had the chance
1: okay so the first one I think for me is just not to try and do things perfectly particularly when I was younger I was so afraid to do things and get things wrong or I was always having a negative view of what I was achieving because it wasn't enough and I was thought, sort of, you know now I'm older I just think you know what don't try to do things perfectly. Just try to do things. And that's that's yes. what makes that's being productive. That's getting things done. Um, and the second, and probably the last year has been a big part of this, is to try and develop a sense of acceptance about life. Is that, you know, everything passes. So you can be really happy and really content with what you have. But then you're going to have times where that's not the case. Every life's gonna have some sadness or some anxiety, but it will pass and those happier times will come again. And you just have to kind of feel it and ride it through and not try to fight it or change anything.
0: That's so true. That's really that's that's a really helpful thought, isn't it? That you know, because you get so stuck in it, don't you, when you think that you're in the middle of yes. a difficult
1: time. Yeah. I mean I think my second he had um he had some health problems when he was younger. So his first year he had really, really terrible eczema and then the second year was asthma and then the third year was food allergies because obviously they all go together. Mm. And we did so much like dermatologist appointments, taken into hospital and I I was I, I was quite anxious at that time. That was like a really stressful time for me and that was yeah. I did. Um, I downloaded the car app, and that just helped me so much. And yeah, that's it's kind of made me think. Okay, I can't change these things. All I can do is change how I deal with them.
0: And you think that that mentality has helped you to open up the bookshop? Yeah,
1: I do. I, yes, I do. I think I wouldn't have done it five years ago, six years ago. I think the acceptance. Yeah, things will be scary. Things will feel scary, and you know they absolutely do but that doesn't necessarily mean that's not going to be a good thing it's just a negative feeling but it's yes. not. This, you know do you know what I mean absolutely yes so what are three
0: things you love to do every day what gives you a kind of great routine or start or end to the day okay so
1: um I don't know us. our starts to the day are really chaotic so <laughs> I think I think that's most I wish, families yeah, we say we have a really good routine there, but we don't. <laughs> so basically, we wait for the baby to wake us up, and if he oversleeps, we all oversleep. <laughs> 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 um, but what well, I always try and make time to read every day. And that was a big mm-hmm. thing, particularly when we were in the lockdown and things were so locked in and stressful, like, that I was so strict about that for all of us. Um, but definitely at the end of the day, I like to just have 15 minutes or just, like, sit down and read my book and just switch off. And um, I find it helps me sleep better as well. In the second lockdown, I've taken up knitting as well. It's such, like, a... a like, like a, yeah, it, it's... Uh, but it's been really lovely. That's been really peaceful. So, you know, like in the evenings when you're watching tv and then i'd be scrolling through instagram looking at people's beautiful houses or whatever and i don't do that now i just pick up my knitting and i'm doing the littlest one a cardigan and it's just that's just that's brought me a lot of peace yeah that's that's lovely it's just really calming that's really lovely yeah, yeah i'd recommend knitting to anybody uh, and the third one is really trying to make sure they're getting some proper quality attachment time with the kids. Like that's hard when I'm working yes. six days a week. But even just for 10 minutes, because I mean, particularly at the moment, the eldest is uh, she's having a bit of separation anxiety about going back to school and things like mm. that. So I think, yeah, I'm really trying to make sure that I spend some time with the baby just like cuddling and playing him but with the older two just that we have a chat about how was your day gone what's going on with you worried about anything and just to definitely make sure that I have that time with them every day and that we stay connected
0: yeah definitely actually just to digress for a moment I realized I wanted to ask you about you said about scrolling do you think that social media and just kind of everybody having phones is quite di- quite difficult for kids to factor in reading because they're so drawn to their computer
1: games and it's their really games on your really addictive. I find it addictive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like nearly 40 and should have, you know, better self-control. So you see like how the teenagers, his brains are more impulsive anyway that it will be more addictive for them. So definitely. And I've list, uh, I listened listened to something recently that was quite reassuring, I thought, though, is that ne- it's not necessarily that link that they're saying is there between screen time and poor mental health. There's been another study that's kind of said that actually it's not necessarily as strong as we thought it was, but it's the other factors that... Are the other factors that have more of a bearing so if your teenagers going to have mental health problems or has mental health problems then this the, all that social media will make it worse absolutely but if they're quite secure and they're not having those mental health problems anyway then actually it's not going to cause them so you might feel like your children are having a lot of screen time I think you know there's so many ways that we beat ourselves up at parents is as parents and think that you know we should be doing a better job in certain areas. And screen time has become one of them. And actually, it's not screen time is not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's a tool to be used and it's how it's used that necessarily is a bad thing. So it's what you're doing with yes. the screen time. And you know, if it becomes all pervasive, then yes, that is a problem. And I think you definitely see, particularly those children and adults who use it a lot, I think it does affect your attention span, your concentration. I wouldn't say don't do it with your children. I mean, I try to minimise it, but that's because like my eldest, it just has a really bad effect on her behaviour. If she wasn't like that, I think I would be a lot more lenient with the two boys. And it's like yes. anything. It's like healthy eating. It's like um, healthy physical habits, which is to teach them, how to use it in a positive way and in a healthy way
0: yes oh yeah that makes sense yeah i think that's the trouble isn't it that some kids when they're a bit older they'd sooner be playing on their phones than reading a book
1: yeah and it like we said it is it is addictive
0: and finding that balance yes yeah okay let's get back to our questions <laughs> so what are your non-negotiables as a mom and a businesswoman
1: to prioritize the family and mm-hmm. actually being starting my own business and being my own boss has really helped me to achieve that. So for example, in the lockdown when we were homeschooling, I just opened the shop for an hour in the morning and half an hour in the afternoon for people to collect their orders so that I was able to be at home and homeschool them during the day because their dad has a job that means that he was extra busy during lockdowns like Quite an organ, a, quite an organisational kind of role. So, it really a lot of that homeschooling fell to me. Which, being my own boss, we were. We, that's really a position of privilege because it meant that I was able to juggle a lot more than I think I would have been otherwise. Um, But yeah, having it. But having my own business as well, that they can be a part of. That's the thing that I've loved is that they're there with me. They're choosing the books with me. They're talking about things that they think I should have in stock. Oh, the four-year-old's got loads of ideas about all the different dinosaurs I should be selling. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, It's very much, It's ve- it feels very much like a family enterprise. And I think now, while they're so young, they're the focus, aren't they? They are the focus in your lives. And it's been easier to put them at the centre now that I do have my own business.
0: Yeah, and such... Um- an inspirational thing to show them, you know, that you you can pursue your dreams and and uh, be brave enough to take that step. Oh, thank you.
1: I mean, they're really cute about it. So they're going to. Um, apparently, they're all going to work in the shop when they're grown up. The eldest tells me, and she is going to do the counter, and then her other brother's going to put the books on the shelves, and then one of them's going to the youngest is going to sweep the floors. That's she's got it all planned out for when they're adults. <laughs>
0: And that's because the youngest can't comment on it at the moment. <laughs> to be fair, he loves swooping the floors.
1: <laughs> you that can't put change. a near him.
0: <laughs> so what would be the one piece of advice you would give to other mums, especially working mums? Oh, um,
1: the biggest thing for me is to be as organised as you possibly can. I have so many to-do lists and, like, Routines that I try to implement with them, but it does make the natural kind of flow of our lives much, much easier. And also, actually, one that I heard from somebody else, but it's really good one is if a job takes less than five minutes to do, do it.
0: (laughs) Don't walk
1: past something that's quick to do and think you'll do it later because something later, something else will need to be done. That's so true in our house. That's a really good piece of advice. Uh, Yeah, that's really helped me. Yeah, it's made our house tidier, certainly. (laughs)
0: oh well it's brilliant to talk to you Jenny thank you so much and I wish you so much success with the Bear Bookshop it uh, looks absolutely wonderful
1: Uh, thank you for having me it's been really nice to speak to you
0: Jenny's story really shows there's always a way to pursue your dreams and get a better life balance sometimes it's just taking that leap of faith even when you're faced with multiple obstacles along the way and the same goes for your child, too. If they're struggling with reading, try something new, says Jenny. Encourage them to look at something they've never explored before and see what happens. If that doesn't work, keep trying until something does. You can read Jenny's full story on our Brummy Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. And you can find out more about Jenny's bookshop via her website, barebookshop.co.uk. Brummie Mummies is a laudable production. Brought to you by Brummie Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the Brummie Mummies podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummie Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information and fun. And whilst there, sign up for our Brummie Mummies newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.